Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Well, it's a great honor uh, today to have a guest with us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Everyone say y'all. Atlanta, Georgia, a uh, good friend of ours, Pastor Jeff Kane. Je- Jeff and oh, thank you. Well done. Hi. I feel like a real pastor now. Um, pastor Jeff and Sonny have been in uh, in the church there. You said since 2006 on staff. On staff. Yeah, yeah. And took on the church and, and navigated it through difficult circumstances and places thriving. Uh, Je- Jeff and I, we serve on uh, our global board together. And so he called me one day saying, I'd love to come over and just hang out. I said, if you're going to do that, then I would love for you to come and serve us and minister to us because uh, what I love about Jeff and his wife, Sonny, who's preaching in our mirror this morning, is um, he's a man of the word and you'll discover this. Uh, he'll help you switch on a love for God's Word. And he's not trying to preach a theme and then trying to find scriptures to fit it. He'll take the scriptures and unwrap it and allow it to speak for itself. And uh, I just know that what you're going to hear today is going to bless you. Uh, don't you love being part of a global family that just enriches our life like this? That someone could come all the way from Atlanta to be here to bless us. So uh, I know you're going to love what Jeff is about to say, um, but there's a, uh, I want you to know there's a, uh, a man of authenticity and genuineness behind every word. And in a half an hour, you're not going to be able to get to know the entire man. So you need to trust me on this, but they've raised uh, a great family. They live what they preach. Uh, their, their commitment to be authentic is so important. So everything I know he's going to say today, I know he's living it out behind the scenes. So can we put our hands together for Pastor Jeff as he comes and shares the word right now? All right. All right. Come on, who's ready for a great day? All right, let's get ready. Come on. Hey, grab a seat. I'm so excited to be here with you today. C3, imagine you're like a legend in Atlanta. We've known you guys for so long. I've known your pastors for so long, and I'm so excited to be here with you. My wife and I both. um, It's our first time in Amsterdam, really, and uh, we're just glad to be here. We were with uh, Pastor Stephen Lisby for the C3 Europe Conference. Look at what you guys are doing as a church, inspiring churches all over Europe, and you're certainly inspiring us in America. So it's an honor to be with you today. We love your church. We love so many friendly faces around the place, and uh, so thankful for your pastors, uh, Stephen Lisby. They, uh, you know, I, I, I did, I called Steve and I said, hey, I just want to come and hang out with you um, because you guys have such great pastors that it's worth flying across the uh, Atlantic just for some time together to learn about who they are and what they have because what they are doing is truly inspiring churches around the world. And so did you give your pastors a hand for me right now? They're just such fantastic people. So worth being here. But I want to leave you with something today because I, I'm here to help you tell your story. I'm here to help you give you some tools by which you can tell your story. And I don't know what that is, because I haven't met you. And I was in church for 20 years, 
And my, my story was, I just want to, you know, try to be a, a good person. I want to try to do the right thing. I grew up in church, in the Methodist church, and it was a great experience for me, and, and, and I enjoyed it. I found a great community, and it was, it was good. But God has more for me than that, and God has more for you than that. So today, I want to walk you through this reality that there's more for you in God's house than maybe you imagine there is. And, and it's one thing for me to say that to you, but I want to give you some truth today to back that up because it doesn't matter really what I say. It doesn't really matter what I think. What matters is what does God say about you and God say about your future. So let me ask you today, what do you think about what God thinks about you? One of my favorite uh, authors, A.W. Tozer, a great Christian thinker back in the 50s and 60s, he says, what you think of when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because truly, what you think of when you think about God will direct the rest of your life. I want to give you two thoughts to think about right now. The first one comes out of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. This is like my life verse. Because when I discovered it, I discovered so much of God's plan and purpose for me. John 10, 10 in the NIV says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. This is Jesus speaking. But I have come. You might think, well, why did Jesus come and die? Why did he, why did he leave heaven and come live amongst us? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he do all of this? For 20 years in the Methodist church, I wasn't sure. When I discovered this truth, it changed my life. He says, I came so that they may have life and have it to the full. Another version says, and have it more abundantly. Another version says, a rich and satisfying life. I was always raised that Jesus came to make me a more moral person, to make me a more patient person, maybe make me a more kind person, maybe make me a more loving person. And all those things are true on some level. But they're shadows of the greater reality. They're shadows of the real good news. We hear the gospel is the good news, and people talk about it like it's a coupon you got for, for clothing. Oh, good news, I got 40% off. Oh, good news, I got a discount. It's not that kind of good news. It's good news like, I'm a child of the king, and I didn't even know it. I've got a heritage that's greater than anything I ever could have imagined possible for my life. It's like winning the, the lottery or, or winning a million euros like you don't go oh yeah i, I won a million euros yesterday it, it was good good news yeah it's nice no no you win a million euros you tell everyone I, I, you won't believe what happened to me that's the kind of good news that the bible's talking about that's the kind of rich and satisfying life that the bible's talking about not about financial prosperity but about a prosperity that exceeds that kind of prosperity a fulfillment that exceeds the kind of fulfillment you get from having financial independence. It may include that, but it's so much more. The kind of life God has for you, when you take a hold of it, not just in your head, and really not just in your heart, when those two things get aligned and you begin living out of your life, the kind of life God has for you. Fulfillment, the joy, life that results from that kind of a commitment. 
kind of way for the good news takes a whole new meaning in your life. You can't wait to share the good news of what God has done in your life. John 15, John goes on, tells what Jesus said. In John 15, 11, he says, Jesus, Jesus again, he's saying, I told you this, he said, to abide in his word, to abide in his love, to abide in relationship with him. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So he came to give you abundant life and he came to complete your joy. So many Christian churches teach that Christ came to, to, to put you in a box and, and make you follow certain rules and regulations and, and live according to standards. And again, that may be partly the case, but the reality is so much bigger than that. God came to release you. And listen, if it's not your experience of Christianity, if it's not your experience of the Word, if it's not your experience in your life with God, that's okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. We have to become dissatisfied with a life that says, oh, it's good news. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's, it's good. We have to become dissatisfied with that level of living and lift up our eyes again to a new kind of expectation. An expectation that respects the reality that Jesus came and died. And it says he considered it worthwhile to do so. Why would he come and die to make us a little bit more patient? or a little bit more kind, or a little bit more moral. Change he wanted to bring about in our lives was so tremendous, so exceedingly abundantly above, the Bible says, anything we could ever ask or imagine that Jesus considered it worthwhile to come and bear the cross for every single one of us. Your mindset, before I even start preaching this message, your mindset matters. Because if your expectation is down here, that's the level of attainment you're going to get. We have to lift up our eyes and see a greater level of expectation so that we can take a hold of the fullness of the life that he has for us. You know what kind of a miracle it is that you're even here? You're a miracle of history. Every moment of your life up to this point has gotten you in that seat. Every moment of your life up to this point has gotten you in a place to hear this message. Every moment, God has arranged your world in such a way as to get you here for this moment, not because I'm preaching and I'm a great preacher, but because the Word of God is being preached, and He wants you to hear what He has to say to you. Let me get out of the way and just see what God wants to reveal to your world. I mean, Christianity was a, was a religion taken out of a religion that was a tiny little religion. A religion in the Middle East, in the Roman Empire, it was a, a subset, a tiny little group of people in Israel that were living this faith. And the Christians were a tiny little subset of the tiny little subset. And for 200 years, the Romans persecuted and killed everyone they found to be a Christian. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are with that incredible message Because the good news is just so good that they couldn't stamp it out because of the resonance in our soul. When we get a hold of this gospel, the goodness that's possible, the fulfillment that can come, the fullness of joy, John 15 says, 
may be complete in us. Truly, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter your experience with God today, whether good, bad, or indifferent, God has more for you this morning. So let's look into his word today and let's discover it together so that when we tell our story, our story doesn't have our hands in our pockets. Our story doesn't have our voice at the same level with kind of a monotone feel. But when we tell our story of our life with God, the Bible says <laughs> this kind of word flows out of our bellies like rivers of living water. Such an enthusiasm to tell what God has done in our worlds that we har can't hardly contain it. Let me read to you of John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, then I'm going to skip to verses 38 through 47 so I don't read this entire chapter to you. But the story stays consistent and the story keeps its integrity as I read. So let's go here. It's the story of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, the NIV says in John 11.1. 1. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea to see Lazarus. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across his entrance. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, his sister, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's a man performing many signs. The purpose of this passage, and I don't want you to get confused, the primary purpose of this passage is to let us know in this transition of the Gospel of John that Jesus has power over life and death. It's an important theme for us because in just a few days, Jesus is going to be crucified. And it's important that we understand that he has a power over life and death because his crucifixion is important, but even more so, his resurrection is vital to our faith. The fact that Jesus was able to overcome death and sin for our sake is the absolute core principle of our faith. And in this, in this section of scriptures in John chapter 11, John's giving us a foretaste. He's giving us a foreshadowing of events to come. He says, this sickness of Lazarus will not end in death. Death happens, but then Lazarus is raised again. 
And it's a foreshadowing of what will happen to Jesus. He will die, but he will be raised again. And that's where all of our hope comes from. And so we have to see that first. But if we'll just look a little bit deeper, if we'll just look a little bit beyond that primary story, John's telling us another story. And I want you to see it today because it's absolutely critical to how you're going to live your life from this day forward. How we can take a hold of this word from the gospel and live it out in our Mondays and our Tuesdays, at our workplaces and our schools. Everywhere we go, we can live out this truth from John chapter 11 so that we can take a hold of God's plan for our life, so that we can take a hold of God's purpose in our community. So it can be people not that go, well, I don't know what God has for me, but people who go, I understand what God has for me, and I'm living it out every single day. And as a result, see, God's blessing doesn't come because we're obedient. You know, we're, we're tithing and giving to the church. We don't get, people will teach you all the time. You say, if you give, you'll get rewarded. No, no, it's in the giving that the reward comes. It's in the obedience that God blesses us. It's by being disciples who move in the faith that we're given, who, who act out this kind of life that's possible for us, that the reward comes. It's not like God is waiting for us to earn the next cookie. We're not the new puppy, right? It's not do a trick for me and I'll give you a reward. It's as we learn to live like Christ, our lives take the shape they were always meant to take. And that looks like blessing for us. Let me start here in, in John chapter 11, verse 2. He says, John says, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You know what's crazy about that scripture? Sometimes you just have to stop and you go, why is he telling me this? Why is he telling me that this Mary is the same one who poured? The, the crazy thing about this is John hasn't told that story. John is saying this is the same Mary but he's not saying that I told you about because he hasn't told us about that story. And what does that tell us? Just look deeper into the word. What does that tell us? It tells us that John's audience, John wrote his gospel later than everyone else. John's audience already would have been familiar with that story. He, he assumed in writing this gospel that everyone knew by saying it was the girl. Remember the girl you've heard about who poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard about her. Well, this is that Mary. What that tells us about Mary is that her obedience, her devotion to Jesus was already renowned around the region. John didn't even think it necessary to tell the story before he reminds us of who this Mary is. Mary's a woman, we know from other Gospels, Mary's a woman who, when Jesus comes to her house, her sister Martha is serving and serving and serving, and she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And again, we can look at that and go, yeah, well, that makes sense. No, no, in that society, only men sat at the feet of the teacher. The women were to serve. But Mary breaks all social norms and sits at the feet of Jesus because she knows it's worth breaking the social norms to get at what God has for her. Jesus is sitting at this table and she takes this jar of perfume that's worth a year's wages. Like, this isn't, this isn't a tithe. This is like everything she has. It's the most valuable thing in her home. And she goes to Jesus and she already pours out the most valuable thing that she has. And then John says she takes her hair down and she begins to wipe his feet 
with her hair. Anyone ever done a foot washing ceremony before? In the 90s in America, it was very popular to do foot washing ceremonies in church. And it's not a fun tradition. And we don't do it anymore. All the teenagers that had to do it in youth group are now leading the churches and they don't make anyone do it anymore. Because it's not a pleasant experience. And I can tell you that the worst feet in this room, and some of us would say, we don't want to show you our feet and have you wash our feet. The worst feet in this room are better than the best feet in Jesus' day. Because they're walking around in dirty environments with, with sandals all day long. Their feet are dirty, their feet are nasty. And here's Mary wiping his feet with her hair that will later just come and flow down her face, getting near her mouth, getting near her nose. She's not just giving value, she's giving personal sacrifice in this moment to honor God. It's so unbelievable that Judas is like, I'm offended that she would even pour out that perfume. We could have sold it to the poor. It's so contrary to anything you would think that John says, you've already heard about her because what she did was so spectacular. That's spectacular like she deserves all this praise. Spectacular like that kind of obedience is worth telling stories about day after day after day. So that before I even tell you this story, you would have known. Her obedience to Jesus, her her honoring of Jesus, her adoration of Jesus is both personal, she gives the perfume, and she, she takes her body and sacrifices to her Savior. And it's sacrificial. She gives the expensive perfume. She gives her humility. She breaks the social norm no matter what the cost. You have to take this idea into our hearts because this is the Mary who calls to Jesus and Jesus comes. This is the Mary who, when she's in crisis, goes to Jesus and Jesus responds. This is the Mary who has the ear of the Savior. And we see this first characteristic by which she's known is deep, and abiding sacrifice. The Apostle Paul says we're to be living sacrifices in Romans 12.1. He says we're to be crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. He says we're to, be, we're to put to death our normal way of living to take up this kind of heavenly Christian life in Colossians 3. See, sanctification, your justification, salvation is a free gift of grace. But growing in our faith Growing into be more Christ-like, becoming sanctified. Take sacrifice. One of my favorite authors, uh, other than A.W. Tozer, his name is Dallas Willard, and he says, grace is not opposed to effort, only earning. You can't earn grace. But like Steve said in the offering message, when we receive that grace, the rest of our life is lived out of a gratitude ready to climb this ladder to the life that God has for every single one of us. And Mary does so in epic, legendary fashion by laying down the sacrifice. John goes on in 11 verse 3 to say, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we know Mary sacrifices, and then we know that when Mary finds herself in crisis, what's the first thing she does? She goes to Jesus. When her brother is sick and he's, he's on his deathbed, the first thing she does is she goes to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't have GPS. Jesus doesn't have find my iPhone. 
He doesn't have Life360 or whatever app you use to locate your friends or your family. He doesn't have Find My Friend on his iPhone. He doesn't have an iPhone. Jesus walks up and down the entire country over and over. Even his disciples don't really know where he's going, but Mary finds him within one day to bring him back to the house. Here's my question to you. I can read that story a thousand times and never see this, but I saw it. How does Mary know where to look for Jesus? How does Mary have any idea? I mean, I couldn't find you in a day in Amsterdam or on a national holiday if I tried. How does Mary in this whole country find Jesus in one day? There's only one answer that I can come up with save a miracle, and it doesn't say here that there was a miracle that Jesus was located. It doesn't say he appeared to her suddenly. The only way I can think that Mary knows how to find Jesus is that even though Jesus seems far away, Mary stays in constant connection, constant communication. She always wants to know where Jesus is because she, if she needs him, or if she wants to have a relationship with him, she's communicating with him. She's in consistent communication with Jesus, so that when trouble comes, you can go right to him. So let me ask you two questions today about your faith, because I want your story again to be. I want your enthusiasm when you tell it to be. My life was one way, but after I discovered Jesus, after I established this relationship, my life was completely different. After I established this relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. Like, I want a million euros, not like I got a discount on G-Star clothing. You tell this story about what God has done in your world with his enthusiasm and his excitement. Mary got there by living a life of deep sacrifice. She also got there by living a life of consistent communication her Savior. So let me ask you, what does your life look like today? What does your life look like today? Does it look like deep sacrifice, like the words Paul used? I've been crucified with Christ. I've put to death that other way of living, and I've taken up, I've put on, Paul says, this new way of life, like a coat or a jacket. Like it took effort and I had to choose it and put it back on again. And what does your prayer life look like? What does your communication with God look like? Are you speaking to him every day? Are you listening to his responses? So easy to tell God about our day, but to listen for his response takes so much more effort, takes so much more discipline. When was the last time you spent 20 minutes silent before God, asking him, Holy Spirit, come. Light Western conversations, three seconds is the longest you can go before it gets awkward. When was the last time you spent 20 minutes silent reflection, waiting for this isn't condemnation. Condemnation is from the devil that says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not worthy, and you'll never get there. This is conviction. This is the Holy Spirit saying, listen, God has so much for you. I want to show you the way. God has so much 
possible for you. I want to show you where it is. God's life for you is a life and a life more abundant, no matter what it looks like today. And I want you to go with me. That's why John's writing this letter. That's why he's telling us about Mary in the middle of this incredible miracle, probably the greatest miracle in all the gospels. He's saying, and look at the woman who made it happen. Look at the woman who got this kind of attention of Jesus. Look at how she was living her life. We have an opportunity to do the same. But it doesn't happen because we wake up as Christians. It happens because we wake up as Christians and recognize with lifted eyes the potential that's possible in every one of our worlds. She lived sacrificially. She lived in consistent communication with God. Listen, this isn't legalism. This isn't what is, oh, Jesus just wants more. I already gave my money. He wants more from me. I already came to church. He wants more. I already downloaded the app. I mean, I spent time downloading that app and data. Now my data is all used up and I downloaded the app. What more does he want from me? It's not what God wants for you. You've got to change your mindset. It's not what he wants from you. It's what he wants for you. God doesn't want your money. He wants you to live a life of sacrifice so you can take a hold of the fullness. In Psalm 139, it says that he knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. He formed the most delicate inward parts of your person. He understands better than anyone how to fulfill the deepest longings of your soul. In America, we teach that the best way to find fulfillment is to take as much as you can get for yourself. To grab as much wealth to grab as much fame, to grab as much value as you can and hold it in your own world so that you can be happy. What we see over time is that that way of living simply doesn't work. The people who achieve that are not happy people. But Jesus says, I never told you to do it that way. The way I told you to do it was to live your life laying it down for your brothers and sisters, laying it down for your friends. Got to hurry up here. Let me give you one brief aside. Notice here in, in verse 44, it says, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave's clothes and let him go. Just notice for just a minute that Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, but he was bound from head to toe. He couldn't move, he couldn't enjoy, and whatever stink that Martha says was in that tomb was carried with him in those cloths. He's stinking and he's bound, and Jesus doesn't let him go. And he can't get himself out. If you're thinking about joining a connect group, if you're thinking about joining a group in this church, just know the only way Lazarus really gets free, he finds full life in Jesus, but then he's stuck there. It takes everyone in the community around him to unwrap him. You've got to live your life around people who listen to Jesus or you're going to stay bound up for the rest of your world. You think, oh, Jeff, you're kind of stretching that one. James 5.16 says, uh, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Conf I'm cool confessing my sins to Jesus. I don't really want to confess my sins to one another. Confess your, confess your sins to Jesus, you'll get forgiven. But it's when we confess our sins to one another that we find healing. We have to get these things into the light. Jesus will forgive you all day long, but he's going to say, Hey, Peter, unwrap him. 
But if Peter doesn't know I'm all wrapped up, how does he even know to unwrap me? You've got to see these words. You've got to see these words for what they are. And not think that these are Jeff's good ideas, but recognize these are God's good wisdom to help us transcend the everyday life that we see everyone else living and take a hold of this life that has survived two centuries, 20 centuries actually, two millennia of persecution of people trying to push this life down, raise up a different kind of living. It hasn't survived that long because it's good news. I mean, it really is. It's nice. No. This isn't trying to just make you a better person. This is trying to make you a brand new kind of human. And when we take that into consideration, we will find something completely different enters our world. Let me give you this last point. You ready? John eleven forty five. 45, the very end, it says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus... Sorry, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. It's all about telling your story. About taking a hold of the life that God has for you. But in church, we're trying to help other people discover the same life. As we come up with words like evangelism and apologetics, which are all good things. But we treat them like, here's our Christian life, and then some people are evangelists and some people are apologists, which I don't know if you have that word or that term here that's the kind of just, you know, understanding so much about your faith you can have good arguments and debates with other people. But the truth is it's all the same thing. And when this woman, Mary, who's living this sacrificial life that's legendary and living in constant communication with Jesus, Let's other people into her world. They see what Jesus is doing in her life. And it says they come to believe. Listen to what it says. Put it back on the screen if you can. John eleven forty five. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary after she debated with them about the truth of the gospel. Nope. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary after she got her social media posts all in order and she had her marketing scheme down to a T. No? Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary, because Mary was an incredible evangelist for the gospel. Well, kind of, but no. Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus had done in her life, she didn't have to speak a word. She didn't have to say a thing. She wasn't trying to win an argument. She just wanted to win people. And we live sacrificially. And we live in relationship with Jesus. And we discover this full life that God has for us. All we have to do is get around other people. And the Bible says, not I think, the Bible says, not my idea, I'd be in for the social media thing. I'm still in for the social media thing. I want the cool marketing. But God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. He says, if you'll just do these things, just live the kind of life I've called you to live. Lay it down for my sake. 
for the sake of your friends and your family. Serve others. Love your friends, yeah, but also love your enemies. Pray for them. They might find what you've already found. And then just take your life into their midst. And the Bible says you will be like a light on a hill, a city that can't be hidden. Because the way you're living will be so evident to everyone around you, just like Mary. You won't have to say a word. You're living your story. God's move in your life will be legendary. Because they'll see there's something different about you. And when they see that, they too will begin to believe. live sacrificially we live in constant connection we live socially getting around other people and those other people Peter says be ready to give a hope reason for the hope you have because they're going to ask you live this way around discover what it means to live a life and a life more abundant. No matter who you are today, no matter what you've done, no matter what your experience is today, because we serve the God of all creation. who said, let there be light. And still today, there are stars being created on the outside of the galaxies from that very first word. He said, let there be light and still creation is happening as the universe expands. Because that same God has his eye on you today. That same God doesn't just call himself your master. He calls himself your father. Because that same God who loves you that much is waiting for you today. His eye is on you our expectations again because he's not done with one of us yet. So would you stand up with me? Let's not just hear these words. Let's not just sing these songs. Let's invite him in today. So I don't know what your experience is like. I don't know what your culture is like. But this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Every person in this place, you would just forget everything around you just you and God in this moment. So let's close our eyes. Let's put our lunch plans aside for just a second. It's going to take care of itself. Put our stresses of our world on one side. Everything that gets in the way of our expectations of God. Everything gets in our way of our vision of Jesus. Let's just put them away for just a moment. We can take them back up in 10 minutes. For just a moment, let's set them aside. And let's do what Paul asks us to do and lift our eyes to heaven. Let's focus on the Father. It doesn't just say that He has love. It says that He is love. Everything He does, every thought He thinks, every action He takes in your direction is only motivated by one desire. To love you. calls you son. You didn't name yourself that. He calls you daughter. 
because that's how he sees you. What father doesn't want the very best gift? What good father doesn't want to bless his children? With your eyes closed, your heart lifted to heaven, you just hear these words and respond as I pray over you this morning? Let's make a commitment to raise our expectation kind of life God has for every single one of us. Let's commit living sacrificial, building connections with Jesus. Making our life, our story out amongst our neighbors, our friends, our family, our co-workers, that they too might experience what we've experienced. A life and a life more abundant than we ever could have asked for. Let's go to him and ask him right now. Father, I thank you so much. God, that you call us your sons and your daughters. God, that you call us the ones that you desire to bless. That you said that if we'll sow our life into you and your plans and your purposes, that our life will be described by other people as rich and satisfied, as overflowing and abundant. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Have your way in our hearts this morning. God, would you lift up our eyes, lift up our expectations away from what we thought before and into this new idea that all things are possible with you. We saw what you did for Mary. You raised her brother from the dead. Is there anything that you can't do? you today to come into our world and give us that story that confounds every expectation, that raises the interest in everyone we meet. God, that you are better than we could ever imagine, and that we, as your children, are blessed beyond every expectation. Jesus' mighty name. Let it be done. Amen and amen. Thank you, church. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him and today i want to invite you to come back to him or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven and so i want to lead you in a prayer right now and i would really love for you to say this prayer with me and then straight after this prayer i would love you to do something for me but hey let's pray right now Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today 
the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.